0: Will anyone believe what we've seen, what we've experienced? We're not sure we believe it ourselves. We were out in the field, watching the sheep late at night, when all of a sudden all of these angels surrounded us. There was a bright light and a loud noise, like a trumpet. And Then one of the angels spoke. It was as loud as a waterfall. For unto us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior unto us, and surely they didn't mean us. I mean, if a savior, the Messiah was born, wouldn't the angels go to the king or the high priest? Maybe even a Pharisee since they're better than us, or at least that's what they tell us all the time. But how can you doubt a thousand angels miraculously appearing out of nowhere unto us? Unbelievable we're just shepherds and not even allowed into the temple we can't go meet with God but now God is meeting with us most people avoid us on the streets won't even look at us and now we're the first ones to see the Messiah to hold him in our very hands all the people in the world can you believe God chose us shepherds announce the coming of his Savior unto us.
1: Today we're wrapping up this series that we've been in called Unto Us. And what we've been doing in the series is we've been looking at the Christmas story through the perspective of the characters in the story. And a few weeks ago we looked through the perspective of the teenage girl, Mary. And then the camera shifted, and we looked through the perspective of a carpenter named Joseph. And tonight, the camera shifts again, and we're looking through the perspective of shepherds. And, and even when I say the word shepherds, I just want you to stop and think about that uh, for a minute. These, these weren't priests or, or doctors or lawyers or politicians. These were shepherds. And they were dirty, and they were grungy, and these were blue-collar guys, not who you would expect to receive uh, the gospel message or the good news about Jesus Christ. But God is all about the unexpected. Christmas is all about the unexpected. Kids, the, the best gift we ever get at Christmas, right, is the unexpected gift. It, it's the one that we thought we weren't going to get that we get. And we, we've been talking and I've been alluding to some of my favorite Christmas movies uh, throughout this series. And, and one of the Christmas movies that, quite honestly, it just haunts me it is The Grinch who, who stole Christmas. It just, it really bothers me a little bit. It was originally a book uh, by Dr. Seuss. And, and Dr. Seuss is just a little creepy. And, and, and the, the way that he draws and the way that he, he writes, just a little bit off. And, and later, just a few years ago, actually, it was made into a movie uh, starring Jim Carrey. And the only way to take a Dr. Seuss book and make it more creepy is to star Jim Carrey in it and the Grinch is really about this guy who, who uh, does not love because he feels like he's not loved, and he doesn't think anyone can really love him, and he's dirty, and he's grungy, and he's different, and, and uh, the end of the movie, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry to spoil it for you, but at the end of the movie, the, the Grinch comes down off the mountain into the village bringing Christmas with him, and he becomes the unexpected messenger of Christmas to this small little town. Whoville. And, and no one in that town, especially Cindy Lou Who, <laughs> believed that the Grinch would love everyone or, or believed that everyone would love the Grinch. And we're here tonight, and it's Christmas Eve 2011. And, and we're here hoping to see and experience something different, and hopefully we will experience something unexpected and tonight I want us to see the Christmas story from maybe a totally new perspective through the eyes of those who lived it out for real I want you to watch through their eyes tonight
2: Joseph carried Mary down a hill and across a flat stretch. He saw the mouth of a small cave above him and headed for it. It must be the cave the man in town told him about. And this cave would be their only refuge since all the inns were full. Joseph wrinkled his nose as he entered the dark recesses for the air was dank and fetid from the odors of dung and smoke. Mary tensed in his arms again and she cried out. Fear washed over Joseph as he looked at the filthy floor of the cave. He's coming, Mary said.
1: Joseph, the baby is coming.
2: As Joseph took a nearby pitchfork and spread straw in the stable near the back, flames rose from a small stack of kindling that Joseph had carefully prepared near the center of the cave. Smoke rose to the soot-covered ceiling above them. The light of the fire revealing the floor caked with the packed dung of hundreds of animals who had been sheltered there over the years. Joseph gently helped her lie down in the straw next to the warm fire. He apologized to Mary for not providing a more adequate place for them.
1: God brought us here, and God will see us through.
2: She closed her eyes as another contraction came rolling over her body. Her fingers grabbed at his, tightening painfully around his hand When the pain passed, Mary said assuredly,
1: My mother showed me what to do before we left Nazareth. I know what to do.
2: Joseph pleaded with her to let him help. She was only 14, a mere child herself. How could she manage on her own? Laying back against the hay, Mary uttered a last fierce cry as the Son of God, bathed in water and blood, was born. Mary, exhausted, but overjoyed, lifted the baby and held him against her breast, welcoming him into the world with soft tears. She was surprised that he looked like any other baby. There was no hint of majesty from his almighty father. Ten fingers, ten toes, a thatch of black hair and skinny little arms and skinny little legs. She laughed as she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and held him tight. She kissed his little face and cradled him tenderly in her arms. Jesus. She whispered.
1: My precious Jesus.
2: Joseph rose and went to stand by the manger, his heart beating fast as he stared down at the child. Tucking his finger into the edge of the blanket, he drew it down so he could gaze on the face of the one who would save his people. Jesus, he whispered. Jesus. He touched the velvet soft skin of the infant's face and he brushed his tiny palm. When the baby's finger closed around his finger, his heart raced even faster. Never had he felt such encompassing joy and spreading terror. Am I to be his earthly father, Lord? A simple carpenter? Surely your son deserves better than I. Joseph looked around at the dark walls of the shepherd's cave. Tears filled his eyes. Filled with shame, he looked down again and he swallowed hard. Forgive me. This child deserved to be born in a palace. Forgive me. Tears streamed down his cheeks. The baby's eyes opened and looked up at him. Joseph's shame melted away as love filled him. Leaning down, he kissed the tiny hand that gripped his finger and everything in him opened to the will of God. I was born. When a footfall sounded behind him, Joseph turned sharply, placing himself firmly in front of the manger. An old shepherd stood at the entrance of the cave. He peered in with expressions rapt and curious.
0: Is the child here? The child of whom the angel spoke? The older man stepped inside the cave. Joseph looked
2: beyond the old shepherd. There were flocks of sheep as well, the ones they had been guarding, no doubt. He gave the old shepherd a look of confusion. He
0: responded to the questioning look. An angel of the Lord appeared among us, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded us, the shepherd said. We were terrified, but the angel said not to be afraid. He told us, I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The straw in the manger
2: rustled, drawing the old shepherd's attention. He inched closer to the manger, peering over the side.
0: The Savior, yes, the Messiah, had been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. He looked deep into Joseph's eyes,
2: letting the truth and the joy of his words sink in. Slowly, Joseph
0: stepped back and away from the manger. The angel gave us a sign, a way to recognize him. The old shepherd's eyes gleamed
2: with hope. He knelt down next to the manger now, his knees stiff from the
0: cold night air and the hilly grasslands that were his home. We were to find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, and this baby would be lying in a manger.
2: He reached out a wrinkled, well-worn hand, hoping to touch the baby, but daring not disturb him. Joseph came close to him now. He leaned in sharing in this hope. His name is Jesus. Angels we have heard on high Sweetly singing o'er the plains And the mountains it reply
0: Echoing their joyous strain
1: The story of Christmas it is a story of contrast, and each of the characters have a unique uh, past and personality and journeys, and, and they seemingly contradict each other and, and, quite honestly, seemingly contradict themselves at every turn. You have a virgin who is pregnant and a good man who has a past to hide and, and shepherds who are unreligious and unclean, but God chose them. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter two, and I I want us to read part of the story together tonight. I'm not going to read all of it tonight, but I will tomorrow, and I have a message prepared uh, for you from my home that will begin at 9 a.m. and we'll show it every hour on the hour on on the internet site uh, at at thechurchatbattlecreek.com. You can join and, and worship, and we'll read the whole Christmas story. Uh, together, But I, I just want to read a couple of verses beginning in verse 8 tonight, and it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. As you can imagine, they'd never seen an angel, and they didn't know if it was an angel or a demon, and they, they didn't know what they were looking at. It had to be in that moment uh, something like, are you the good witch or the bad witch? But the angel assured them and and said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And no one expected these shepherds to be the recipients or the messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? I want to explain to you who these shepherds were. Look at verse 8. Again, with me. And it says, the shepherds were staying. A a better translation for that word, staying, is living. These shepherds were living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks when? At night. Now, normally you didn't keep sheep out in the pasture at night. These sheep, scholars say, were the ones set aside for temple sacrifice. It's unique. Because they were outside of Bethlehem, outside of the city. But they were also walking distance to the temple in Jerusalem. And they were right outside of of the temple area. And this group of shepherds was actually raising the sheep for temple sacrifice. The place where you went to get right with God for people to make atonement uh, for their sins. And this group of shepherds was raising a very special type of sheep. Normally, you would keep sheep out in the pasture uh, by the day, but at night you would bring it into the sheep pen and into the caves, or into the much like where Jesus was born, or, or into the pen. There's a illustration, an illustration and allusion to uh, shepherds and sheep pen and, and sheep pen gates. All throughout the Old Testament, even the New Testament. That was the normal way to raise and protect sheep. And at night, you would put them up and the shepherds would go home. But these shepherds stayed with these sheep in the fields 24 hours a day, seven days a week to protect them from the wolves and to get them ready for temple sacrifice. All year long preparing them. There's a big old fat book that's standard text for uh, Bible history and and first century uh, history by a guy named Ederschein. And and Ederschein wrote in this book in the early 1800s that from the writings he had found that there's actually a rabbinical ban. In other words, the rabbis, the Jewish teachers and religious leaders banned these shepherds from ever coming to temple. That these shepherds, because they were outside 24 hours a day, seven days a week, could never get ceremonially clean enough to come in to the temple. Now just imagine everyday life if you're one of those shepherds. That, That every day, the irony in this situation, you're taking care of sheep, birthing sheep, raising sheep, feeding sheep, protecting sheep that are being raised for people to get atoned for their sin. But you, the one raising the sheep, have no opportunity because of the religious system that excludes you and keeps you out You're because you're unworthy and you're unclean. You cannot go to temple. Now this is how it worked in that day, children. And that day, these shepherds would raise sheep and raise baby lambs. And they would raise these baby lambs in order to be sacrificed Sacrifice at the temple. And if this was the temple area over here, the way that it worked was that you were to take your baby lamb as a ticket into the temple where you met God. And you took the lamb into that temple where you met God and this was your ticket in. And by the giving of the lamb or the sacrificing of the lamb to God, God would then make atonement for your sin. Now what's atonement? Atonement's not forgiveness. Atonement is the... Forgiveness on loan. That God was saying, I will will loan you forgiveness. It's not yours to keep. You still owe me. But for this year, you are okay with me. And these shepherds were never allowed to go. They were never allowed to go to temple to have an opportunity to be made right with God. And even though it was temporary, they couldn't get it. And no one expected those shepherds to be the one that the first wants to see the Messiah. That, no one believed that. No one expected the Messiah to come into the world in a stable or in a cave and, and be born like a lamb. And, and no one expected that, that God would come near or would come unto us fragile in human flesh. And they were looking for a mighty king and, and a warrior and a Messiah, not for a baby. And they were looking for a priest to fit their religious system. And they were looking for someone like them, not like he was. And no one recognized him as the Lamb of God. John chapter 1 and verse 10, it says that the Lamb of God came into the very world that he created and the world did not recognize him In fact, in verse 11, it says, He came even to his own and they rejected him. He came to the people weighed down by religion. He came to the ones that were his, and they did not see him. He came to the people who needed to be lifted up. He came to the people who were weighed down under the weight of their sin, but they denied him, and, and they rejected him. They were struggling to fulfill the religious requirements of the law that day. They were doing it by their terms, not by God's terms, but they wouldn't accept God. They wouldn't come unto God. They were trying to embrace a shadow. His name is Rambo, by the way. He's trying to eat my sweater. I think he knows it's lamb's wool. It's kind of cannibalistic, actually, Rambo. And the old tech old testament sacrifices were a foreshadow of what was to come. Just as the the Passover was a foreshadow of the Lamb of God who was to come. And since the Lamb of God, we have the shadow called Christmas. The same thing was true with, with the Lamb. Kids, you know what a shadow is, don't you? Let me show you what a shadow is. Eli uh, and Limley, you come here for a second. And, and let me just show you what, what a shadow is. Eli, you come over here and hold that thing if you would. And Limley, you take this flashlight uh, right here. Let me see if I know how to turn it on. Twist that, honey. Twist it. There we go. Now you point this. Stand right here, and you point this at the lamb. Okay, Eli, you hold that. You see Rambo right there? You see his shadow? That's a shadow. And see, he's the lamb. He's the real lamb, but that is the shadow of the lamb. Now, let me just ask you a question. Eli, if tomorrow morning Daddy gave you Rambo for Christmas, Pastor Alex is awesome, okay? And if he gives you a lamb, this lamb for Christmas present tomorrow, and you come downstairs and you look for the lamb, and you see this lamb, and you walk over and you start embracing the shadow, you start hugging the shadow of the lamb on the wall. What do you think dad would think of that? I'm retarded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that you're retarded. I, I would think you were a little goofy, right? And I, I would think you were goofy. And, and why? Because It's like the three-year-old that plays with the box, right, instead of the toy. And, and, and that's the way it plays. And so you would never embrace the shadow, yet that's exactly uh, what happens. You guys put your hands together for Limley and Eli, if you would. And you take that lamb, if you would. And, and uh, thank you, honey. You can have a seat. That's exactly what our culture does this time of year is we embrace the shadow see the temple sacrifice and the lambs that were slain were a foreshadow of the person of jesus the lamb of god who was to come and take away the sins of the world and the shadow that has been cast from jesus all the way to today is called christmas and what we do in our culture is we try to embrace the shadow. We're trying to embrace Christmas, which is why we're always disappointed when Christmas is over, because we're trying to embrace a shadow, and we're expecting a shadow to bring us together, and we're expecting a shadow to to alleviate all of our fears and all of our needs, and, and a shadow has no power to do that. The substance of Christmas is Christ. See, if you embrace the shadow, the season, it brings families together, but sometimes it brings families together just to bust them further apart, right? And sometimes it leaves us wanting at the end of the season because the shadow has no power to change our lives. And this Christmas, I want you to embrace the substance of Christmas, Christ. Because Christmas is just a shadow of God, just a reflection of who he was. And the people in that day where Jesus was walking around with skin on, they saw God with skin, with flesh on, and they said no to him. They said, I would rather have the shadow than the substance. But there was a group of people, unclean and unworthy, and they saw him, and they knew him, and they recognized him, and they worshipped him as Savior. And they believed. I told you verses 11 and 12 of John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. To those who believed him and accepted him. uh, Not those who have it all together. And not those who know all the right things to say at church or around church. And not those who know all the names of the current Christian leaders. Not those who listen to all the Christian podcasts or, or read all the Christian blogs of the day. Not those. But the, those who believe and those who accept. Not those who follow tradition or religion or reach out to God. God says, not that way. Just believe and I will give you something unexpected. Children, Pastor Alex has been in a lot of countries. And I've seen religion done in many, many parts of the world. And every religion all over the world, they have this in common. It's all about what you do. That I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this this way, and I'm not going to do this. And and when I do this, I'm going to face that way. And I'm going to do it five times a day. And I'm going to do this and do that. And I'm going to do all of these things. And by doing all of these things and not doing all of those things, that that one day, at the end of the day, God will be happy with me. And that God will say to me, well done, or you've done enough, or or, you've earned my favor. And that somehow God's going to give us a sticker, or God's going to give us a check mark. But but Jesus comes on the scene, and he overturns that apple cart of religion and rules and, and, and all of that. And he says, it's not about what you do. It's about what I've done in the person of Jesus. And the most unexpected gift of Christmas is grace and a full covering of all of our sin. I've been reading this week about lambing and raising sheep and raising baby lambs. New Zealand, they still raise thousands and thousands and thousands of sheep and lambs every year. And every year in the lambing season, thousands and thousands of baby lambs are born. And in the process of raising thousands and thousands of lambs, just the statistics would play out that sometimes mommy sheep die in in the birthing process. And sometimes baby lambs die in, in the birthing process. But what they have to do in order to keep other sheep alive and other baby lambs alive is they have to take moms who've lost sheep and babies who lost mommies and they have to match them together. And the way that this matching process works is kind of tricky because a mommy, a a sheep, will not take a lamb and nurse it and, and take care of it and raise it if it's not hers. And so what they do in the process is they will take the wool or the hide of the baby lamb that was hers and they will lay it over the lamb that's still alive and then covering it with the her own baby lambs hide and flesh wool they nestle it up to the mommy sheep and the the mommy sheep turning and smelling her baby and smelling her own milk she says that's my baby and she will raise that baby and she will nurse that baby and she will take care of that baby and she will raise that baby lamb as her own She will adopt it into her family. Which is a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us because we have a God who is holy, holy, holy and us who are sinful and there is not a match to be made. We cannot be reconciled to God because we are sinful and He is holy. But He takes and He covers us by the lamb of god he covers us with the spotless wool of the lamb who lived a perfect life and he covers us with the powerful blood of the lamb in the person of jesus who died to provide us forgiveness and he covers us so that we may be nestled right up to the side of god almighty and have a relationship with him and that's what christmas is all about Christ and Him being given to us unto us a Savior. Would you pray with me? In both rooms, the chapel and the worship center and on the internet today, right where you are, would you just bow your head and would you just pray with me? Lord, as we pray tonight, I I thank you for the truth found in Ephesians that says, but now we have been united with Christ Jesus. Once we were far, far, far away from God, but now we have been brought near to him through the blood of the Lamb,
2: Jesus.
1: And Father, we could spend the rest of our lives trying and struggling and striving in our own flesh and our own abilities and our own power, but we will end up <clears throat> embracing a shadow, not reality. And this Christmas, God, we, we don't want to embrace a shadow. We want to embrace the substance. We want to embrace Christ. And to those of you today and all of our environments, who have felt alienated because of church, because of religion, those of you who felt like you can't measure up or you can't live up to the standard, those of you who've been told you, you will never measure up, you've tried and you've tried and you've tried to perform and to be pleasing to God and to get it right, and you have found yourself failing and failing and failing. There is good news for you tonight. And the good news is there's a standing invitation to come and to see your Savior, who is Jesus, born the Lord and the Messiah. And tonight, if you want to believe and you want to accept, I want to lead you in a prayer helping you to do just that. I don't do this very often, but on Christmas Eve, I want to. And I want to ask you to pray after me, out loud. And those of you who know Christ already, I'm going to ask you to pray out loud as an encouragement to those around you who are accepting and believing, those who are receiving Jesus tonight. And so would you just pray after me and say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but tonight I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Jesus, Come into my life to be my Lord. You call the shots in my life. Come in as my Savior, my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin. And I trust you alone, Jesus, the Lamb of God, to save me. And I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say amen and amen. Would you thank the Lord for Christmas?